Welcome back to Computer Lab Hijinks. I am Nathan. I'm Sadaf. And gaming's first cutscene, that is the title of this video. And it's, there's a short answer and there's a long answer. And we're going to do the short version of the long answer. So we're just going to jump right into things. I want to talk about the cutscene and the, the word cutscene, because I think the word cut is important there. And I think a lot of things are called cutscenes that I don't think are. And one of the previous episodes, we were talking about The Last of Us. And I, I said the word cutscene, and then I sort of took it back right away. I said, that's not a cutscene, that's a cinematic. And I, I kind of want to talk about why I am so anal about that difference, the distinction between I a cutscene. And I would love to know. Everyone's excited. Everyone's dying to hear me say it. Yeah. But I guess right off the cuff, when we talk about the, the word cutscene, it is coined in reference to the game Maniac Mansion. When you hear Maniac Mansion, what happens in your head? I think of that show that was on YTV a little bit before I was born, mm -hmm. dating myself a little bit here. But uh, I think it was between 90 and 93. Oh, and okay. It, so it's it's fairly old. Yeah. So it was just a... Uh, so it was created by George Lucas and Eugene Levy, of all people. The boys are back at it again. <laughs> <laughs> and that's... Which the cool thing is um, the person who was starring in it was uh, Joe Flaherty. The, the, uh, the dad. Flaherty. The dad Flaherty? From, okay. So he's the dad from Freaks and Geeks. And he's amazing in that show. Really and good. everything. Yeah, Mr. Weir. And then um, he's also an SCTV alum with Eugene yes. Levy, right? So they're both Fantastic on Fantastic in yeah. SCTV. So that's what I think of, but... I just want to really pause on George Lucas and Eugene Levy made a show. Like, already, a, a, just the dream team. Yeah, that's never come up before when, when people like when people talk about Eugene Levy. It's like, oh, yeah. yeah, he did that show. It's a bit of a footnote because huh. I don't think the show did super well, but it is technically based on the game. Yeah, apparently. Tell us. Tell us about it. Maniac Mansion's my earliest gaming memory. My parents had it on Commodore 64. They had a lot of games on Commodore 64 because while we were like working class, you could just pirate games to your heart's content on the Commodore 64. And that was a golden age of gaming. A lot of my formative gaming experiences were piracy. That's why I'm very pro-piracy, very pro-emulation. I think everyone should have access to all the games. You're on a show with a brown person, so now Ceases for sure <laughs> yeah. is going to find this out. But anyway, it's true. I guess part of the reason that I'm drawing this line between cutscenes and cinematic is that if you want to look at the first cutscene in a video game, the there's like a Wikipedia history of it. And a lot of the early examples are just cinematic. So it's like you start the game and it, it plays a little movie and then the game starts. Debatably, Pac-Man in 1980 might have an early version of a cutscene where between levels, the ghosts and Pac-Man chase each other. Oh, yeah, yeah. So Ron Gilbert gives this talk. So Ron Gilbert is the the creator of Maniac Mansion. He created it with Gary Winnick, but I think it's it's kind of Ron Gilbert's baby. Um, and he gave this talk at Games Forum Germany 2011. A really exciting name. Um, I was there. <laughs> it, was, it was it was a party. It was a real rager. His actual quote is. The reason I call them cutscenes was that they were scenes that cut away from the action. That seems fairly straightforward, but he actually, he wrote his own engine for Maniac Mansion. He's kind of infamous for doing this. Like he makes a game and he makes the engine. Okay. A lot more work than it has to be, but he had this, uh, literally the command was cut dash scene. And what's happening there is that in Maniac Mansion, as we'll see, the Commodore 64, not the most RAM ever. It can kind of only do one thing at a time. Mm -hmm. So there's like a timer until this cutscene starts and it saves your game and then completely closes the scene you're in it, it takes you completely away from what you're playing 
and it cuts to an interaction that is it's two characters talking and it has nothing to do with the player if that okay. makes sense i mean narratively it all connects but it's it's nothing that the player is doing okay and then it returns to normal gameplay mm-hmm. and i guess for me the term cut because i'm i'm of a film background like when i think of cut i think of the formal quality of a film where you transform time and space right like you think of 2001 slash Barbie and there's like the monkeys playing with the bones and then we hard cut to a spaceship. Like to me, a cut. In Barbie? Well, in Barbie, they they remake it where it's the, the children playing with dolls and then hard cut to today. Oh, sorry. You said monkeys with bones. Yeah. So the, in 2001, <laughs> in 2001, the opening is. Right. Right. And they use the same music. They remake yeah. it in Barbie, which I think they remake it to great effect. Um, but in that case with Barbie, I think they're cutting like 80 years into the future or 50 years in the future. Um, In 2001, the idea is they're cutting like 7,000 years into the future. So it's like cavemen to like spaceships. That's all it took. It was 7,000 years. I actually don't know the real numbers (laughs) on that. But anyway, all of which to say, I think the cut, the word cut in cutscene is important. When we talk about cutscenes, I don't don't think really we should be talking about cinematics. I think those are just little cute little movies that play to tell a story between gameplay. But let us load up Maniac Mansion and maybe we'll see a bit more of what I'm talking about. Um, I'll give you control. So you actually have experience with slightly before this era of game. You're familiar with text adventures, or at least you're familiar with MUDs. Right? I am. So I'll Hell give a yeah. shout out to this one that I played. And I picked it up, I think, maybe like last year. I was really bored. And I started picking it up again. But it's called The Two Towers. It's um, it's a Lord of the Rings-based MUD. So mm. so for anyone who doesn't know what a MUD is, it's a multi-user dungeon. It's like an immersive online text Text-based game. Like no graphics. No graphics at all. No graphics at all. And it's pretty old, right? Yeah. You know, I I played it when I was in middle school. And when I log in once in a while, there's still like at least a dozen people online. So it's still online today by the original creators. It's still up there. I guess. I don't really know about the history of it. Mm -hmm. I just know that there's been a community around it for quite some time. And it's actually so much fun because every time I come back to it, I can sort of go beyond like the level that... I couldn't reach when I was a bit younger because mm-hmm. um, I'd normally suck. And it feels like they might have changed some of the gameplay. But if mm. you really like Lord of the Rings, um, play it. It's really fun. You get to pick your your race. Um, mm. I feel weird saying that. But in the context <laughs> of the... context <laughs> of Lord of the Rings. In the context of Lord of the Rings, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, I really like the, the mud. Um, nice. I don't think they'll ever hear about this. Well, that's cool because I have zero experience with text adventures. The fact that you're like already in the mud space, that's hardcore. That's legit. It was just by chance. I don't even know. It was like a family friend that introduced me to it. Well, out of text adventures comes the graphical adventure game or gag, if you're stylish and want to say uh, ominous sounding acronyms. Okay. Um, but Maniac Mansion was one of the earlier LucasArts video games that they, uh, so it's a, a point and click adventure game. Okay. Um, and so what you're supposed to do right here is, um, I mean, we're already getting into how nonlinear this game is, which is sort of another part of the commentary on narrative in video games is, are you just watching a movie or are you like actually participating? Right. So you got to pick two other kids is I think what it says at the top. Bernard is the most useful. And then this one's Bernard. That's Bernard. He, he shows up. He's like the main character of the sequel, actually. Oh, OK. Um, and then anyone else is fine. Are you supposed to pick three, though? Oh, this is default. Dave, oh, OK. Gotcha. Dave, no matter what. OK, no matter what. OK, so let's move. We hit start. And sure. we're going to hear my favorite song of all time.
Just to clarify, this is not the first cutscene yet. This is the opening cinematic. I'm really going to police the language here. It's setting up that a meteor has fallen and the lights turn on in the house. There's this mansion. Perhaps they become maniacs because of the effect of this meteor. What's going on with the meteor? What did it do? Uh, so what I recommend doing is you're going to walk a few screens over to the left. Use the verbs on the things oh, you see. Oh, because I'm used to the mud. You just type it in. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, you're and old you have, you have to use very specific language, which I absolutely fucking hate. Yes. Um, There's a key under the doormat, and you want to use the key in the door. The, it's the first puzzle in the game. It's not meant to really make your head explode, but um, sort of getting say, you familiar with the interface. Can I say pull? Pull doormat. And I might have to click again. Okay. Hey, there it is. Wow, I got it. And then take, use, is there a take? Think, Do you just click on it? I think you can go right ahead to use. I think they updated that in one of the versions. So you see how you're like building a sentence, use key indoor. Oh, and you're in the house. What? Cool. Oh, this is um, interesting. So this is a slightly updated. I think this is the DOS version of the game. It's, okay. If you can believe it, this is a lot prettier than the Commodore 64 version. It's also an NES version that's heavily censored, believe it or not. Censored? What do they censor? Well, there is a joke that's pretty spicy. Actually, we can go find the joke right now. If you open <laughs> okay. this door. Oh my God. What is that? I got you. So the people are all, here it comes. What happened? How silly of me. I should have tied you to my bed. That's kind of a gross joke for a, <laughs> a general audience adventure game. Not like the bed, but my bed. Yeah. Like yeah. Oh, Oh, what just happened? I oh. don't know what happened. Perhaps did they cut away from the action? Oh. Oh. You're pretty brain sucked out. Why is she wearing a tube top? Okay, and also shorts? this. She's like, that's like a straight up like bikini. Like that's <laughs> the clothing choice. So gaming's first cutscene already, the clothing choices are pretty gendered. He gets to be covered completely with professional garb. Yeah. This is Sandy who you're trying to rescue in the game. Okay. And that was pretty quick. And that that's it. That was gaming's first cutscene. Okay. We reached it. I realized there's some confusion because we went to the dungeon and then yeah. the cutscene played. Yeah. But the two were unrelated. Gotcha. So I'm gotcha. Pretty sure once you enter the house, there's a timer. Okay. And then it plays the cutscene and then it returns you to the normal game. Okay. So you'll notice, like, when that cutscene played, we were completely taken away from what we were doing. Yes. Um, what do you think? Um, That's gaming history right there. Wow. Doesn't feel as profound, but. <laughs> right. I mean, that's pretty cool for it's for the. That's like the first one. With that name, yeah. The first yeah. the first really cutting away. Yeah. Yeah. Um congrats George Lucas and LucasArts. Woo! Yeah. Shout out to Ron Gilbert. Ron Gilbert. And was it Gary uh, Winnick? Gary Winnick. Um just Gary Winnick's few, my guy. <laughs> a few thoughts to kind of tie this together. Okay. So Ron Gilbert uses that term that he wants to tell a story in a movie like way. I'd actually like to bring up I was reading so not a lot, not a lot of people in general care about this distinction I'm drawing between cutscenes and cinematics. So I, I think I'm really just policing the language more than is helpful. But hey, but that's why you have this podcast. <laughs> this, is, this is the podcast. <laughs> this is my hill to die on. Yeah. Cinematics aren't cutscenes. Also, The Last of Us, because it's all happening in gameplay, um, it's essentially just stopping the controller for a few minutes so it can tell you a story. Right. It's not cutting you away. The whole game is in the perspective, like the POV of those characters. Right. So you're never going anywhere else. You're never cutting to like the mad scientist going, I love Moss or whatever right. like that story's about. Yeah. But this one's yeah. definitely just giving giving you some context you just see the meteor and it's like oh 20 years into the future and then mm -hmm. you're like three people yeah i guess 
you don't really know what the premise, like what the, what the premise is supposed to be. Is it? Yeah. I mean, you're touching on what I love about this kind of game, which is that it doesn't front load you with anything. Mm-hmm. There is like that one shot of the house and then the game starts. Yeah. And then there's little cutscenes along the way, but it's not like front loading you. Like I think, was it Metal Gear Solid 4 is known for having like a 40 minute cutscene? Like some games really <laughs> just like attack you with information. Okay. And it's like, I, I hate to be that guy, but like, I just want to start playing. This is a good way to, I guess, to, yeah, I can see why. That would that fit your need for that, right? To just be able to jump in, because you're already like, I guess you're obviously directing me so we can get to the cutscene, which is totally sure. okay. But yeah, I'd rather just be like clicking. Around. This would fulfill my need to want to like explore, explore everything, yeah. which is what I did in the muds too, right? Because mm-hmm. you have to look at everything. Yes. Yeah. There's clues embedded. Well, I think you'd enjoy this game a lot. I love this genre, but I'm quite bad at these games because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very like point A to point B. I don't want to inspect anything. Right. In these games, you have to inspect. There's a quote that I saw in my research that kind of blew my mind. Okay. It's um it's from uh, Daniel Punday's Melancholia's Aesthetic Principle. So he's talking about Age of Empires, and he quotes someone's book on game design. So it's like a book that's trying to be helpful to game designers. Game Architecture and Design by Andrew Rowlings and David Morris. Mm-hmm. Uh, or Dave Morris, pardon me. So it's trying to just be like, hey, hey, kids, here's how you make a game. And they describe a cutscene in Age of Empires in a way that makes it sound like they're just roasting the shit out of that game. Okay. So it's supposed to be a neutral description, and it sounds very aggressive. So here we go. The game has one route through the story and only one correct solution to every problem. You may enjoy it for the artwork, music, even the story of it, all of which are breathtaking. But this, in effect, is just a film that you're having to solve puzzles to view. Every time you solve a puzzle, you are rewarded by being shown a little bit more of the movie. I mean, it might hurt the feelings of <laughs> the people who made it. The people who made it? Okay. Because there might, I don't know. Yeah, it might, it might hurt their feelings. But I mean, if that's yeah. something that you enjoy, mm-hmm. I mean, that's going to be an honest criticism of it if that's how it feels to play the game. I don't know. I think you're right. It's possible I'm projecting this sort of like cutscene discourse okay. onto the quote. Yeah. Because I think when they were writing this, they were just describing Age of Empires. Okay. And now thanks to like internet and forums and Reddit, like there's a sort of like discourse on like, are cutscenes bad? Did, mm-hmm. did The Last of Us go too far with cutscenes? Um, but I guess like what happens in this game with truly the invention of the cutscene as something that takes you away from the action yeah. is it sets, it sort of begins the process that will bring us to this discourse on should a game tell a story or not. Right. And like, I think you have more experience than I do with text adventures. And I I think sometimes those are called like hypertext experiences. Oh yeah. Okay. Do you know, so what, what exactly would that be referring to? I would argue that hypertext, instead of describing a kind of game, it's actually describing like I want to give a shout out to Hamlet on the Holodeck. It's this this early book about game design that not game theory because game theory is for fascists. You okay. heard it here first. Game studies. So <laughs> Hamlet on the Holodeck is an early book of in game studies that okay. it's asking these very big questions about what will computers allow us to do with interactive experiences. When when people like the author of Hamlet on the Holodeck were writing about hypertext, they're really talking about like super books. What if books got superpowers? Does that kind of make sense? So it's not like, what if Halo had words? It's like, what if a Charles Dickens book had legs and started walking around your house? Does that, (laughs) so that's sort of the conversation of the hypertext is more about what if books got smart? What if books got smart? I keep thinking of, um, Kramer's coffee table book. Yeah, the coffee table book. Oh, the <laughs> you just open it. It's got a built-in coaster. What if Kramer's coffee table book started running around the apartment? That'd be like a cool like Seinfeld episode. 
Yeah, so I mean, it's hard to talk about what the cutscene did to gaming without kind of veering into this ludology narratology debate, which again is a pointless conversation that I think people have mostly abandoned. Um, it's not helpful anymore. I think, you know, for, for better or worse, people had various reactions to something like gone home. And I think that touched on various gender lines. Mm-hmm. Um, and that conversation happened. And I think, I don't know if anyone still cares about Gamergate, I think they're wasting their life. <laughs> I think that's, I think culture has moved on. I would hope so. I haven't heard that. In uh, any sort of mainstream media, unless, we're, of course, we're like referring to something yeah. historically. Yeah, I yeah. mean, occasionally in a public forum, I'll talk about Call of Duty and I'll mm-hmm. say that anyone who enjoys the Call of Duty games is subhuman and needs to be uh, transported to a guillotine right away because those games are awful. Um, and occasionally when I say that, people will start coming at me like, you know, games are actually about showing your skills and you have to get good. And I love uh, blowing up all sorts of Central Asian countries and video games because that's what a video game should be. Fair criticism because that's probably the part of the the games that bother me or at least make me uncomfortable mm-hmm. um but you know point and shoot like sometimes they're just kind of fun sure yeah but i mean that's why i preferred like unreal tournament because it yes. just made up it's very fantastical it's very was it the the beginning when you play <laughs> what is the story that it's like space engineers and they are like really bored or something so that's another iconic <laughs> gaming cinematic that you have you have a lot of experience with unreal tournament and yeah i think probably like a lot of that game's fans you were just not aware that there was an opening cinematic i didn't know because i skipped through i'm like fuck it i want to go over to find the server that i want to play right so i think you're the the fps fan that i'm talking about you like, no more story <laughs> get me to the game okay well i had different needs when i was younger you're Yes, younger, yeah, I was younger. You just wanted to shoot things. Yeah, I mean, Unreal Tournament is kind of the extreme end of that because, like, I, I believe first there was Unreal, and then enough people <laughs> w- yeah. were playing the multiplayer mode that they're like, you know what, let's do Unreal, but without all that story, mm. all that uh, all that incredibly feminine storytelling in yeah. this game. Let's take the the chilling with the bros feeling yeah. of network play and make it its own game. Mm-hmm. And that kind of eclipsed Unreal. And yeah. I don't think anyone ever talks about Unreal 1 and 2. No. It's, it's all about tournament. No. I guess my closing thoughts. Yeah. Um, if you haven't played Maniac Mansion, I highly recommend it. I think we've said a lot of fancy words like hypertext. Yeah. I think even if you don't care about these conversations, Maniac Mansion's a lot of fun. The LucasArts games, like that whole catalog, was kind of erased in like 2005-ish when adventure games stopped being profitable. Right. And then... You know, I'm not saying Disney buying Lucasfilm is like great for society, but Disney loves making money. Oh, another cutscene. Daddy's been acting very strangely lately. Mommy. Oh yeah, so that's is that the son? The son. He looks older than the dad. He's pretty tall. So Nurse Edna, I forget this guy. He's kind of a weird guy that like has a hamster that or a gerbil or something. Mm-hmm. So is that his bedroom or his mom's, his mom's bedroom? Oh, his mom's There's bedroom. a key there. What? So also the cutscene shows you kind of places you haven't been yet. And oh, what's that key, right? I think that helps. Wow, we just, I'm yeah. really annoyed that they just progressed without me. Like, what if I wasn't looking? <laughs> There's no pause. Is there a pause button? Uh, I think. Oh, you can switch between the kids oh, with the, the, the function keys. That's really cool. Um, maybe there's not a pause function. Okay. Uh, anyway, that was the second cutscene. That was gaming second cutscene. Oh my gosh! Um, I guess it's really weird too. It was, it was a weird one. It was kind of Oedipal. It was yeah, like all oh, the guys it? trying to have a relationship with his mom, like just a basic interpersonal relationship. <laughs> and she's like, "Don't question your father." And then a lot to read into. I think it's clever writing. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not a, a shill for Disney. I don't think greed is the best thing for society. But 
um, when Disney bought LucasArts, they immediately put these games for sale because Disney loves making money. Mm -hmm. So they said, why not? Put everything, and I think that's kind of across the board. Star Wars finally is on streaming. Yeah, um, you can finally buy Maniac Mansion for seven dollars on Steam. Um, so there's there's a silver lining, I guess, to corporate mergers. <laughs> is that sometimes greedy companies like to sell you things? Yeah, and that's the only way you're probably going to keep something old. Yes. Yeah, if it's uh, part yeah. of their catalog. Yeah. All of which to say, if you have seven bucks and a couple hours to kill, play Maniac Mansion. Highly recommend it. There's no shame in playing with a walkthrough. You know, it's still a fun game no matter what. Um, yeah, that's that's my pitch. Any closing thoughts? Just bye. <laughs> Just goodbye. All right. Bye, everyone. <laughs>